Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Who Knew in the Moment, the podcast. Today, Sam's going to talk to us about following your passion even before it's financially paying off. Sam said, you know what? I have a passion for filming and videography. I'm going to follow this path. And it ends up leading him to NBA performance coach Drew Hanlon. And now Sam gets the opportunity to work with professional athletes. All right. Hello, everybody. And uh, thanks again for tuning in to the Who Knew in the Moment podcast today. I'm honored to have Sam Ramon here. Uh, you're going to learn a little bit about Sam today, but his story is one of perseverance and believing in a mission and overcoming anything that can get in the way to accomplish the goal. So Sam uh, started as, well, we'll get into this, but the key yeah. is going to be he was a janitor at one point, interesting spot to be. And now he uh, works with uh, pure sweat and does all of uh, the filming and video choreographing for NBA films and players. So really excited to have Sam on and uh, thanks for being on today, my man. Of course, man. Thanks for having me on. And I appreciate you reaching out and I love doing these things. This is something that I want to do a lot more as um, my career goes a little bit further. Absolutely. Well, good. So just to recap for everybody, um, the who knew in the moment podcast, the premise of it is, in those moments in your life, you're not exactly sure, you know, that they're going to be significant and only in hindsight, can you look back and say, that's why this happened and start connecting the dots to how you've gotten to where you're at today. And so to kick it off with Sam, something that I found really interesting is even as a kid, Sam knew he was destined for big things. And so Sam, talk about that. You said, Hey, you know, even at 10 years old, I would, I would stay up at night and think, how can I become successful? Where does that come from? And what, you know, what did that look like even in the young days? Um, yeah, I was, you know, to say, say at least I was a little bit different, uh, growing up, uh, to just kind of easily kind of describe it. I just grew up in a single parent house. My mom kind of took care of everything and she helped me kind of pave the way along the way. And yeah. I was having some troubles with my other parent in my life, my father, and my mom just kind of took control and tried to give me the best life possible, put me in the best private schools. But, you know, we didn't have much money, you know, mm -hmm. uh, didn't have a big house. And, when you know, when you're entrapped in a private school, you tend to kind of be not like the black sheep of the group, but a lot of other people have like a stable family. They're, right. They have stable income. So, you know, I started seeing that stuff at a really young age and I knew my life was a little bit different. And um, I think I just I had that pressure put on me. Um not by my mom, not by anybody, but just, I, I just saw it around me, my atmosphere and like where I grew up and my foundation and where I was going to school every day, hearing people talk about like normalcy in the household and right, which is totally different. And um, I, I was in a small little house. So at, at the end of my nights, I would kind of be trapped there in my bed, just thinking, looking up and saying like, man, like, um, you know, what am I going to do to get out of this poverty? And it was very, it was very emotional still to this day when I think about it, because I still remember those moments like uh, back in my house in, in Santa Barbara growing up and it's a beautiful place to live. But um, my mom had to do whatever she could to make ends meet and provide me a good life. But um, it's very like emotional thinking about it because I, I was like nine years, nine years old, 10 year olds just saying like, what can I do to be successful? What what can I do to help my mother out later on in life? You know, like yeah. all, those, all those empowering questions that at a young age, I think really fueled me in some demented way. And um, obviously it kind of fueled me even more to follow the athlete Kobe Bryant along the way. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, I don't know if you had any questions. I, there's a lot I, into that. You know? th so there's a lot into it. So I want to ask something and then we're, we'll kind of circle back right. around to that. Yeah. So yeah. at some point you get really into soccer uh, because you end up being a really good player. So tell me a little bit about how you got introduced to soccer and what you loved about it. And, you know, if you had any role models or people that really helped you along the way there. Yeah, it was funny. I, I was living in Ventura at the time. I was like five years old, four years old. And I just... You know, I, it was my first time. I just remember I was, I remember that specific moment where I was after school and my teacher hammered me a ball to like go kick against the wall or something yeah. like, because I was waiting for my mom to pick me up. And I just started kicking the ball against the wall as hard as I could, as hard as I could. And I just fell in love with just the sense of just kicking a ball. 
Yeah. You know? It felt natural. And, and I, I still remember it. It's crazy. But if you ask anybody that remembers their first time doing something they love, they usually remember it. That's just, I really do believe like love is the, the most powerful gift that we can use on this world. And we remember certain things, the times we've been in love, the times we felt love, things that we do love, like we can yes. like talk about it religiously and and really feel it so i just remember kicking a, a ball against the wall at the playground one day and my mom picked me up and my mom took me to a store got me a ball and then i started kicking the ball in the house and uh she signed me up for uh ayso you know as soccer youth league yeah yeah um and then the rest is just kind of history i was i was just always good at soccer i played basketball and soccer routinely side by side till I was 10 okay. but then like I had one year AOSO where I scored like 18 goals in a season let's I, go I got my first like call from my from an all-star coach and I was like okay I'm gonna just focus on soccer yeah, yeah. which turns out to be a great decision because uh you end up playing both division one and division two soccer yes yes and I think uh because I was just so determined um just from a uh, that mindset, that mentality of just like thinking, okay, what am I going to do? Okay, well, you know what? I, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to be a professional soccer player. Yeah. And I had it engraved in my head that, like, I would say this stuff. My, I just wrote about this too. Like, I've, I've been journaling a lot lately. Okay. But, yeah. Um, you know, they go around the classroom freshman year in high school and they ask you, you know, what, what are you going to do when you grow up? And like, what do you want to be? So, all my friends from middle school came over to the same school. So, they kind of have some rapport with me and they understand me a little bit. But they're saying that they're they're just saying the ordinary things, saying, "Oh, I don't know, man. Like, um, still trying to figure it out. You know, go to a four-year education, go to college, mm -hmm. and be a doctor, be a lawyer. The, the typical answers, yeah, yeah. man. And, <laughs> right. and, then, and then when they get to me, I'm like, "Oh, I want to be a professional soccer player." Yeah. And like, I'm just saying it's so dead ass, like in the face of everybody in the room. Like, I I don't even hesitate. Yep. And my teacher, like laughs at me mm -hmm. and then my friends laugh at me and everybody's laughing at me i'm like wait a second like what the heck like this is and from that moment on i felt like i became an outcast yeah mentally you know and i just always kept it tucked between my heart that okay nobody truly believes that i can do this yep. and that is when the the whole feeling of doubt crept in and um and that's kind of like a, a big part of my life to, yeah. I carried on with my whole high school career, just trying to prove everybody wrong. And then fortunately, I literally, because I edited and I started editing videos at a young age, my mom would videotape the games and then I would edit the footage. Yes. So I had to send out my own recruitment tapes to 50 colleges around the wow. country. I got like nine responses. Yeah. And out of those nine responses, I got recruited at a D2 school. So I want to I want to rewind a little bit and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then we'll come There's back because that's that's great. So mm -hmm. I want to just ask you this, because as I hear you say that, in in my opinion, to do something great. Oftentimes you have to be willing to say things and then act on things that other people think are crazy. Right. Or other people think are pie in the sky. So for you, you know, when when the reaction was laughable or when the reaction was yeah good luck right and doubtful you know how how did you harness that to use that as motivation um such a great question um i don't think i've ever been asked that but it was really hard man because it was emotional for me because that was my yeah. dream right and 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 my teachers asked me what do you aspire to be well okay you're asking the question but why are you laughing after so and my friends who I thought were pretty close, I kind of, my whole body just kind of shut down to being like, okay, you know, I cannot share these high goals because the way I talk, people are feeling some sort of way. Yep. Like, and there's a good story, a good comparison story where like other people in the NBA, like Team USA, they wake up at four in the morning and they see Kobe dripping in sweat and they know Kobe's working out at 3 a.m. It's a, they feel different. Like, right. It's a weird feeling, you know, and that's just kind of how I felt. And like, I followed the career of Kobe pretty, I was able to kind of harness my yeah. pain and my rejection, my emotions through the arc of his career. Cause he was going through so much. 
Yes. And I, I hate to overlay it too much, but I mean, oh, truth be told, um, it really did help me like kind of thinking like, oh man, Kobe's going through the same stuff. Like he thinks like everybody thinks he's not gonna win a championship, but you know what? He's gonna win a championship. So um, yeah, I had a very high language at a really, really young age. And a lot of people didn't understand it, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, so as your friends are doubting you, I mean, you know, we've all heard the cliche saying of you're the, you know, you're going to end up being the average of the five closest people in your life. Were there new people that inserted into your life or did you feel like, you know, I'm more kind of on an island doing this thing by myself uh, than, you know, getting a new group of friends that are going to support this mission for you? Yeah, that's the thing. Um, and this is why I, I tell people all the time, like in high school, middle school, it, it's going to be very rare when you're surrounded by people that love what, exactly what you do. Yep. And at least for me, I always say you reach true happiness when you find what you love to do. And usually when you find that, you find the people who love what they're, what you're doing. Right. Yes. I mean, I work for Drew Hanlon and, and yeah. um, he's the best skills coach in the country in my unbiased opinion. I, I was going to say that that's at best arguable, but I think, yeah, there's a lot of people that would say yeah. factual statement. Yeah. But when I met him, everything just started clicking and obviously I was working on my passion for meeting him and, yeah. and I was working really hard to get to this point, but I met my best friends, his family became my family in St. Louis, which I'm back here right now. Yeah. Um, and everything just kind of fit in its puzzle in its place. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I didn't have too many, I wouldn't associate myself as a loner, but I always tell this kind of short story, but I didn't go to any of my proms. I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't go to any of my dances. Um, I didn't date at all in high school. Um, I didn't have a girlfriend. I didn't, I never drank, never smoke. Um, I've still never smoked to this day. Um, and I was just so focused like ridiculously focused that I would be on the soccer field at the end of three o'clock, four o'clock off season. And I'd have a slew of people on the benches just kind of looking at me like, what is this crazy person doing with like setting up these cones at the very end of the field? And, and like one of my, one of my friends will come over and like, Sam, like, are you okay? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I'm good. Well, you know, that girl like is checking you out. Like they really, and like, I didn't care about it. Nope. I was just like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, I just didn't care. And, and, and maybe I'm just crazy for just thinking about like my mentality, but I just, I think just because I was able to see where I was growing up and how I didn't have some things, not saying I was poor, but you know, I, I didn't grow up wealthy. So maybe just seeing that stuff kind of carried over to everything but yeah i know there's a lot of layers in that. yeah no there is but the thing that i love about that is you know you had your goal and you had your ultimate goal right um i think sometimes people get sidetracked by things they kind of want to do and that takes away their ability to work on the thing that they want most to do right and yeah. uh sometimes you have to say no to things you would like to do for so you can say yes to the things you want to do most and you know for you it was hey soccer professional soccer so I'm not going to take a day off to, you know, go mess around with friends. I'm, I'm focused on this goal. And I love that, man. I think that's a great, gr great mindset. And obviously, as we'll find out, that's uh, continue to help you even, even into your career now. Sure, so yeah. once again, you send out, you know, fit over 50 tapes, you hear back from nine, you end up get, picking one. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you got to college, you know, what was the biggest learning curve for you in the, in the game of soccer? Because it, there, there is just that, difference of speed size athleticism when you go from the high school to college right yeah i think what really opened my eyes about that whole process was um i had the narrative that i was being doubted by everybody yeah. pretty much and even though like i probably over exaggerated that a little bit yeah. it, just, it just kept me motivated right it was just my my motive my motivator you know yep. but um I, I was recruited by sonoma state university and at the time they were like division two champions and they're a really good soccer program. And I got recruited by them. And this is where I kind of knew like, okay, like I have something here. So there was about 400 people, 400 kids that went to that camp and they they grouped like 120 kids in a certain age group. And the very first day they started like moving us around, moving us around. And at the end of the first day, 
you know, I started noticing I was in like the top 25 tier. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Okay. So, and then they said at the end of the day, like, we're going to keep moving you down if we think that you're not keeping up. But those four days I was with the same top 24. I love it. And there was like 150 kids around California, like great, great players, all good players. And, um, yeah, that's when I knew I made the starting 11 and the starting 11 played against the college team. Okay. That was when I knew like, okay, I am, I'm good. Like I can do this. I have a chance. I I feel like I can be a pro and it was division two, but coming from a private school, like, oh my God, like, like I I had only 350 kids in my private school. Wow. Yeah. So it, it meant, it meant a lot to me. So for me to like overcome and prove people wrong, like this meant a lot to me. So, yeah. I love that. And I'm sure to this day, that still can be a source of, uh, you know, motivation and excitement for you, right? Like, Hey, people always said, I I can't do it. And I I did, I did it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's my mentality too, where it's just like, um, I just run into, I run into multiple people where like, I'm super, I'm super positive. And sometimes I can live in the cliches of trying to help people, but I can't help but just think that I'm a living example of every single thing, like trying to chase your dreams and trying to get out of a rut, trying to get out of a hole. Like I just constantly believe in people and it's hard to um, dumb that down. Sometimes it's hard to not believe in people so much because man, I I know how it is to be in a rut. I know how it is to be in a hole. And I was a janitor for two years, like (laughs) cleaning women's restrooms and clean, clean tampon dispensaries. So um from being a division and can go into later on yeah but um i know there's a lot of layers i kind of went more into that but that's uh, great yeah so so let's go there all right so we're division one division two soccer and then uh school stops you go back home to pick up the summer gig and they tell you your summer gig is no longer available but we got this role as a janitor I'm sure you're thrilled, right? I mean, let, talk to me a little bit about that moment. Well, it's just, I mean, it's crazy because everything happened in the span of 11 months. And uh, man, I lost soccer. I got hurt. It was going to be on a partial scholarship for Division One, St. Mary's College, California. I got kicked out of school, financial aid irregularities, my paperwork. I'm, I'm living off campus. I have no purpose. And having no purpose is one of the worst feelings in the world you can have. So yeah. there I am off campus six months paying $600 rent. Three of my other roommates are going to college. They're throwing parties. I'm like, what am I doing? So I'm just playing video games every day. Just <laughs> like it was, yeah. it was depressing, man. Right. So, and then, and for, fortunately let me back in. I had to get like suit and tie, just like yourself right there and yeah. present myself saying, Hey, like, you know, I don't get this much money from here and so-and-so. And, you know, I'm going off my mom's financial aid. I'm not receiving any money from my dad's. Like they let me back in, but I couldn't get any more financial aid. So um, had to come back home. My dad and I were pretty much reconciled about like four years. And, uh, he invited me to come back, stay in, in his house. And I was living with him. And like you said, I didn't, that job wasn't available anymore. And, uh, they demoted, it wasn't like a demotion, true demotion, but I just, I had to take something, man. Like, right, I right. and people always ask me like, why'd you, why'd you take that job? Like, well, I mean, it's easy. Like, I don't, I don't want to get, I just got, I just lost soccer. I lost my job. I was depressed. I was poor. I don't want to go look for another job. Like this is security. This is safety. And a lot of people can relate to that these days because a lot of people don't want to leave the job that they hate, you know, because it's, it's too hard, but, but yeah. So as you're working as a janitor, obviously I'm sure probably every day it runs through your mind. This is not what I want to do. This is not what I want to do. And there's one day where you decide, you know what? Hey, I, I learned some skills editing some of these soccer videos, by the way, shout out to all the moms that recorded their kids at sporting events. Like you guys are the real MVPs. Um, but so you go out and you decide to buy a, uh, video camera now, but you don't have the money. Uh, no, so I only had 180, I don't know. I always exaggerate the amount, but I only had them the first amount a month to cover for the QVC. Yeah. Uh, monthly payments but um yeah so i mean i had a lot of stuff happen to me in a span of 11 months 
like all that soccer, then demotion. And then I got in some trouble with, you know, some alcohol issues and I'm something I'm not very proud about. Um, and then I just became very depressed. And I think the last straw I've talked emotionally about this before, but I had this girl that uh, meant, the, meant a lot to me when I was younger in seventh grade. And it, it just proved to be my final test, I always say, because uh, you, you never think that you're going to lose something that you're so high expectation of. Yeah. And um, I ended up, you know, it ended up not working out because um, I still remember this text to say it just, it, this is what kind of, a lot of people are, are external and internal. Yep. And uh, I just need that one little push to push me over the edge to not be in this rut anymore, be a janitor. And uh, she literally said that, you know, Sam, it doesn't seem like, you know, where you're going on in life right now. And I'm looking for stability. Mm. And, and that kind of just takes me back to like, okay, you know, I'm only making like $700 a month every two weeks and it's not much. And she's making $60,000 out of college. So there, I understand like, but you know, what? like, you know, if you love somebody, you make it work. And that's how it was built. That's how it was taught. So yeah. Here I am thinking like, yo, like what's wrong with me, man? Like, is it me? Is it really me inside? And I wasn't even heartbroken. I was more like broken of like who yeah. I am. And then the, the very next day I, I walked in and I quit my job and I said, I can't do this anymore. And I just lost it, lost it. And um, I was speaking to my supervisor outside the door and my supervisor was just like, yeah, man, like, I'm glad, like, get out of here. Like, go do something with your life. Like, wow. I'm, I'm 50 years old, Sam. And I'm going to be doing this the rest of my life. I don't want to see you here anymore, man. Go, go make something out of your life. And, and this guy is cleaning toilets. He's a maintenance worker. He's doing all the grungy shit. And, um, that kind of like, like hit me home. Cause here I have a grown man saying like, yo, go do something with your, um, effing life, you know? Yeah. So, um, it, it was, uh, it was pretty heart wrenching. And to this day, I, I still go back and, and visit, all the all the guys on my crew and uh, they're so still cool. working the same job man they're still cleaning that same damn restroom the public restrooms in my hometown so yeah well, man yeah well i'm i bet every time you go back there beyond proud and so one of the things that starts this catalyst for you is so you bought the video camera yes you start you, you have a a love and affinity towards kobe which we've already referenced yes and you decide you know what i want to start making some like Kobe YouTube videos and, you know, montages of his. And yeah. it, it makes sense because you, you love, but how did you get the idea of like making a, making a video for that? Yeah. I mean, this goes a lot of untold because my, I mean, as you can tell, my story has a lot of components in it. Yeah. Um, and I really do want to write a book someday about it. Cause like I've been through every situation I haven't really told into greater detail what I could, but I started editing videos when I was 11 years old. So um, when YouTube first came out in 2005 or something, I think I made my first Kobe Bryant mix when I was 14. Okay. And I just always had that love, but it was always a secret passion love that was just silent inside and nobody was pushing me towards it, but I just was so concentrated on soccer. So, um, that, that part of my life didn't get activated until I was, um, heartbroken. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to just go after it. I'm going to, buy my camera and create all these little stories, go around Santa Barbara, film the local boys and girls club, film a clothing boutique, the best tattoo shop, the best surf shop, skate shop, like I'm best boxing shop. I'm going to just create little stories about people that go there. And um, fortunately P3 peak performance facility in Santa Barbara is one of the best facilities you can send athletes to, in the yeah. world NBA athletes. And uh, I got my in with them and I did the Roberto Nelson piece. who was very, notorious in Santa Barbara for being a very great basketball player, basketball right. player in Barbara high school. So he came back one off season in the summer and I was producing all these little story videos and I produced a little well put together documentary and P3 saw that and they invited me back in. And uh, I started my two year internship there. I created for myself. So something I want to highlight in all of that is I think this is a big miss for a lot of people. Yeah. Everyone wants to be where Sam is today no one wants to start where you started, you yeah. know? And, and I think that that's such a tough thing because you didn't start where you're at today. Right. I mean, and we're getting to talk about that, but that's true for so many people. It's like, 
Well, no, you, you don't just get a fast forward to, you know, where I'm at after, you know, working on my craft for 20 years. Uh, no, I, I started here and it was very humble beginnings. So, you know, from your standpoint, what kept, kept you motivated when you were doing some of the small gigs, right? Hey, I'm at the boys and girls club, like yeah. probably yeah. not where I want to be, but it, it's something I'm working on. I'm, I'm growing my yeah. craft. Trust me. I was living in my dad's house and the Lord knows, you know, my father was saying like, you know, you sure this is going to materialize into something? Like, how come you're not getting paid by P3? Like you got to ask for getting paid. And I just kept saying like, it's going to come. Yep. Become, is have faith in it have belief in it. that was the hardest thing to do is having faith and belief in that stuff to all work out because here i was i didn't see over 250 or 500 in my bank account for two years wow seriously i, yeah. I mean, think you know thank god you know my father was helping out and providing a place to stay and gas money and stuff food yep. you know you know i had a very smart plan but i mean i felt the weight and pressure of like my stepmom my sister's there my my dad's there. They want me to get out of the house. Like I'm like 23 years, 22 years old. Like, okay. Like, you know, you get, what are you going to do? Are you going to go back to ju uh, juvie or not juvie, uh, just like uh, junior college. Yeah. Junior college. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I still felt the weight and the pressure of like, damn, okay. I got to make something of myself, but it's just so hard because you go and film every day and you're not getting paid. Yep. And like, you just do it because you love it. I can't describe to you how many days where I was doing free work, but I still loved it. And I, at the end of the day, I still felt good about myself. But when you wake up, it's just like, man, okay, like, what, what's the next step? Like, am I going to get paid today? Like, and that's just so hard for people. Like you said, we really take it another level. Is that's so hard for people to really go through that period too? You know, not, not many want to start where it's at. Yeah. I mean, starting is terrible, but right in the middle, the middle of it, before you reach your end game, the middle is even worse because it's just like, okay, yeah, I might be doing this, but hey, like I want to get paid. A lot of people don't want to do free stuff. Yeah. Well, and I think to your point, you know, when you first start something, you're excited, right? Like the right. excitement is just at all time highs and, and that in and of itself will keep pushing you. Right. And then once you get past a certain point, you've had enough success that you're like, okay, I'm onto something, but it's that middle ground, right? It's that in-between phase where it's like, okay, the excitement's kind of wearing off. I've been doing the same thing, but I haven't, you know, started to see the fruits of my labor yet. And yeah, if you, I would say in addition, if you don't have a supportive cast around you, I mean, how difficult to just continue to forge through that. It's, it's hard, man. It's, it's almost virtually impossible because, because you, you literally have to have so much belief in the end result yeah. and you, you almost have to have a certain amount of crazy belief yeah. like <laughs> an over exaggerated belief because yeah. when you hear all these noises and all these doubt and then you hear your doubt creeping in and then you hear you see all these cloud i always say cloud of doubt is my kind of my my, my thing that i kind of associate myself with but yeah. you have all these cloud of doubts and you associate with yourself and then other people project clouds on you thinking that you're not going to do it it's even your family at sometimes, which is the yeah. hardest thing. I really do think family <laughs> is, a, is a part of every person's dream cycle, because if you want to have a big dream, you know, your family is going to have some sort of opinion on it. Absolutely. Uh, I, I kind of go, I go against the grain because that's why I kind of remain quiet is because, okay, I got a, I got a really high language and not many people understand what I want to do. So um, it's incredibly hard, man. The middle, the beginning to it, and that's why it's hard sometimes when I speak to people, because like, I just, I just have so much belief in somebody that I'm willing to pause my life to help that person. If I could pause my life to help somebody, that to me is a win because I just want to empty myself because at the end of my lifetime, it's kind of a weird analogy, but I want people to, to remember me and show up if something ever happens to me and I hate saying it like a funeral, but yeah. I want people to, to know who I am. And, and I want to touch a lot of people's lives. Um, and I really do feel like the trajectory that which I'm going, um, I, I'm going to be, I feel like it's my destiny to kind of help people. So yeah, that's I love I'm, that. Yeah. I love that, man. I love it. I love having the, the goal of certain things, but also having the bigger ultimate goal, right. And that bigger picture for you. That's so cool. Yeah. A lot of people don't, 
understand. And unfortunately, I have a really good friend group that uh, that knows I'm trying to be a good person and trying to help people, and they know that I love to help people. So it's important to have like a four or five, six people, even three or two. Like it just depends on your circle. But Absolutely. as long as you have a couple of people that like understand what you're trying to do, then you can do it. You can you can do any. I'm, it's funny because I'm learning how to ice skate. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, and this is a great story. I, I've told, I think before, but, um, my buddy Francis, he's going to love me mention his name, but, um, he's been teaching me how to skate. Okay. I'm literally like a month in maybe like seven times skating you now and I'm okay. I'm getting good, but you know, the fire in me, the burn in me, I want to learn how to do it. Like, yeah. I just, I just hate being doubted. Like Francis is telling me, Oh, dirty. I mean, I was like, he calls me dirty, Kelly dirty. It's a nickname. He calls me, he calls me Sam. And he's like, "Uh, it's going to take a year before you even like play pickup. I'm like, wait, what? No, I'm going to learn this in a month. I promise you. And truth be told, it's, it's, it's hard. (laughs) You know, he took, he took me to his pickup practice and I'm there on the bench and, and you'll find some inspiration in this it's really cool yeah and maybe you have the same fire maybe other people have the same fire but this is just how i'm built right so i'm sitting next to three random kids and they're like and my best he's one of my best friends he's 36 and i get along with older people right yeah um and these guys at the bench are just telling me like yeah that guy is really good like he skates really well like he's really good i'm like oh that's my guy that's my boy and he's like, oh, oh, really? Oh, that's dope, man. Like he just, he skates so hard and he, and he works really, really, really hard. And, um, and they're asking like, well, what do you, what do you do? What are you doing? Are you, are you going to, are you trying to skate? I'm like, yep, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to learn. Yeah. Thing called stick and pucks, stick okay. and pucks. And that's like the training session. It's, it's big out here in the Midwest. So Got it. Yeah. you just put on pads and you, you with a hockey stick, a helmet, and you're just trying to learn and you're just out there. So they're like, yeah, man, like this one kid, it just speaks to me, like really resonating with me. And I really take this to heart. And he's like saying, oh man, like I went to a hundred of, of those sticking pucks. And I was like, yeah, man, like, I really want to learn how to do this, man. Like I want to play so bad. And he was like, man, you just got to keep going. And I was like, yeah, for real, for real. Like, really? He's like, yeah, like you can do it. You can do it. And I was like, for real? I'm like, yeah, man, you can do it. If you really want to, you can do it. And that just stuck with me because, yeah. and then he just skated off on the, on the new line. <laughs> I was like, dude, this is a random kid. And yep. he's literally saying like, no, you can do it in a month if you really set your mind to it. So, I mean, truth be told, I met a skills coach down here. Okay. Uh, hockey skills coach. So I have my, I have a, my second training tomorrow. So let's go. I love yeah. it. The, the pursuit begins. Yeah. But I don't know what, what the, the trade of that is because I just, I just want to do different things and, and yeah. try to perfect it as much as I can. So I don't, I don't know if that's the obsession trait, but yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, I'll be excited to uh, hear an update. We'll have to do uh, episode number two and you can come on and do it. We, we'll go more in depth and you can give an update on how the, uh, how the skates going. For sure. Yeah. Perfect. So as you're working at P3, uh, there becomes a session that they need you to film. And right. as I understand it, the session is Andrew Wiggins and Zach Levine. Yeah. So that's, so, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, my fault. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No. Well, so I was interning there for two years. Yes. Un- unpaid, unpaid, yeah. unpaid. And uh, I-, I had scored another job. So I was doing P3 and then doing the startup job. Startup job didn't really end up well because okay. <laughs> uh, it was about shoes and, and research and I just wasn't into it. So yeah. I didn't. Going back and forth, then I was in P3 for two years, created my own internship, and then I met Drew in 2014. And then P3 was like, okay, you know, we're gonna give you a stipend to film Andrew Wiggins and Zach Levine. Yeah. And as as you probably know, you probably heard the stories, but I just worked my ass off for Drew, and um, he just saw that trait. And at the end of this course, I was able to help his clients uh, raise their draft status overall. And I still remember creating those mixtapes on YouTube, pre-draft mixtape, Andrew Wiggins, pre-draft mixtape, Zach Levine. And everybody was just playing those videos throughout the whole NBA world. And I still remember Drew's phone going off and that's when Drew really broke out, man. So, so it's cool. Yeah. So I want to read a quote that you have. Okay. Yeah. And, and this is good to me. 
I'm going to videotape every workout every day and ask for nothing. I want to impress Drew with my work, work ethic and I trust he'll take care of me after. Yeah, dude, that's not normal. That's not normal. Most people are like, Hey, you give me a paycheck and then I'll come do this for you. And if you want more, then I'll expect more. Yeah. What man, what a, what an amazing outlook on things, right? Like, Hey, no, I'm gonna work my ass off and I'm just going to impress you. And hopefully if I impress you enough, then you're willing to give me, you know, the, the things that I want. Yeah. Man. I mean, yeah. I, when you read it like that, it makes me, um, makes me go back and thinking about like my journey, you know, yeah. but I, what I tell people to this day is that if you work so hard for somebody and you provide value for them, but most importantly, you provide a certain loyalty to them. And a lot of people want loyalty, especially when you have big minds trying to do great things. And Drew was trying to do great things. And, and I, I always tell him the story and he'll tell it to you. I don't know if you've heard of it. Like, I, I remember I said, like, Drew, just let me work for you. Like, I'll work for whatever and I will make you famous. I, pr I guarantee it. And uh, it's just kind of little cool stories like that, like just building yeah. the brand, uh, you know, but. You bet. So talk to me a little bit about blowing up together, right? So you filmed this video and obviously Drew has some notoriety, right? Otherwise he wouldn't be working out with, I mean, two guys that are going to, yeah, you know, go in the first round. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but there's a, I mean, there's all different sorts of levels of notoriety, right? So yes. talk a little bit about like what that, what that moment felt like for you and, you know, how Drew reacted and, you know, what, what ended up, you know, following from that. Well, I mean, as the years progressed, it just became crazier because then like Drew's getting stopped during airports around the world, even like Unseen Hours brand, yes. like, the Pure Sweat brand, I mean, Drew Hanlon brand even, and then obviously our videos going viral. It was to me, I could care less if I was getting the credit. I just thought it was so cool that like everybody was looking at him as the best in the world. Yep. And still to this day, they're looking at him as the best in the world. I mean, obviously you're going to have tons of people just arguing about it, but he started the training right. in terms of like showing the workouts online. And that's what we cultivated. And obviously it's a little bit oversaturated now. You see tons and tons of enemy videos, workout stuff, but um, we definitely played its part in, in the training world. And that's something that um, is just very gratifying to see and, and still continue. And me and Drew talked every day every day mostly every day and just nightly like two in the morning and just conversing about like damn we're gonna do this for the next 30 years like forever for life and it's just a really it's a great friendship man and yeah. he's my boss my brother and my best friend and a lot of those it's hard to balance all those and at the end of the day and you know boss comes first because you know he's my boss and i work for him but he always loves to just keep it like a brother family first. And that's something that I appreciate because I know he's the boss, but he always treats me like family. And uh, it's a great balance, man. We uh, yin and yang, you know. You bet. Now, I got to ask. So the first time you get the opportunity to film, I mean, NBA players or, you know, yeah. potential NBA players. I mean, that's got to be a little nerve wracking. I mean, it's a little bit different than, yeah. you know, a, a typical shoot. Talk about that first experience. I'd love to hear just if you can remember back to it, just, you know, the emotions going into it and how you felt after and all that jazz. Um, yeah, well, I had some practice because at P3, you know, they were bringing Utah jazz players. Yeah. And, um, I think you talked to, was it Atlanta Hawks maybe too? Atlanta Hawks, Utah yeah. jazz players and Sam from Spurs. So when Kawhi Leonard won his first championship with the Spurs, he came in two weeks later just walked in I was like oh like I had just a lot of moments like oh shit like you know yeah. but I had some good practice because I remember my first interview I ever gave at P3 was interviewing um Gordon Hayward okay so yeah he was a skinny kid man so right. we trained Gordon about two years ago after his uh, obviously his broken ankle yeah. injury right that he had and then we trained him for a summer and just to get his conditioning up. It was, it was a good little three months during the summer, but um, I, I had a moment with him. I was like, yeah, do you remember me when I, <laughs> I interviewed you and stuff? But it's just, it's just kind of dope to kind of look back on those things. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I also want to ask, so Jason Tatum, so by the way, um, Jason Tatum now is, is a household name. 
But at one point, Jason Tatum was a uh, grade school, high school kid that just had a lot of uh, upside potential, as many people do. And if I understand it correctly, you go with Drew uh, to to help train, what, a 13, 14-year-old Jason Tatum? Yeah, so I, I moved. I moved with Drew to St. Louis, which yeah. I'm here now, and there's some history with that. But um, yeah, it's always a funny story. Like, but I got to see Drew train the number one kid in the in the country every single day. So that even related me to start training my own. So I started training back in 2017 to 2019. Uh, I traded. I trained Jonathan Williams, who played on the Lakers for about two about two years, and that was a really good experience. But um, it's kind of funny. I had that soccer background and the footwork background and then uh, the attention to detail. And I was able to pick a lot of things up and, um, drew and drew would kill me every day, like annihilate me in <laughs> one-on-one. And then he would let Jason go after me when Jason was only 14 <laughs> six, six with six. And like, we would play against each other after practice. And I would try to get up shots against Jason. And, um, it led to a really great relationship between all three of us. And, um, his senior year, Drew couldn't be there because he was like helping out all his other clients, you know. Um, and uh, he left it to me to kind of wake up in the morning, get get the rebounds, get Jason shots, and run a, a strict cur- curriculum that would literally Facetime Drew and make sure that like we we're doing things right. So it was very cool, man. I got to you know train Jason. And I'm not gonna say train, but just just to oversee it, you know. Um, it really helped me understand like the foundation how to build a player so um I, I i know like the blueprint so to speak to to try to build like the perfect player to, yeah. to offensively gifted you know yes. um, but that was something that drew blessed me with to to have the um the trust for me to kind of oversee that and then jason won a state title that year so it was pretty cool yeah that's amazing and yeah. I mean, I know you have a whole laundry list of, you know, guys that you've gotten the opportunity to work with in film and everything. I yeah. mean, you know, guys like Bradley Beal, you know, Joel right. Embiid, Kelly Uber, right? I mean, like the list goes on and on, but your guy's Kobe. And one day Jason Tatum's like, hey, tomorrow I got to work out. Yeah. <laughs> you, should, uh, you should come along. Tell me a little bit about that because I know just knowing your story that this is a moment that you will literally never forget. Yeah, I'm going to tell this story that I haven't told, but so a week and a half before that, um, okay. one of our friends who was working for Pure Sweat, um, Alex Bazell, he's a really established trainer now. He's doing, he's running his own okay. uh, training brand now, Bazell Basketball, but he, but he was with Pure Sweat for a couple of years. Um, he was a really good friend at the time and, and he was trying to get, and he started connecting with Kobe because of Nafisa Collier, you know, his, his wife now, um, she was at UConn at the time and, and Kobe was a huge UConn fan and that's how they kind of all connected. And I started seeing all this stuff and I was like, damn, like Alex, like you're, you're hanging out with Kobe now. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he wanted to, he wanted to bring me to go meet Kobe and, um, but man, like I was just so stubborn because I was like, no, nah, man, this doesn't feel right. Like I want to meet him on my terms. Mm. And oh my God, people thought I was so crazy. <laughs> like Drew thought I was crazy. Drew was like saying, what are you doing, Sam? Like, stop what you're doing. Go with Alex. Like, and I kept turning down Alex. And I'm like, no, nah, bro, I'm good. I'm good. Like, I can't do it like this. It doesn't feel right. Like you're literally giving it to me. I can't have it. I've worked so hard. <laughs> not to be giving it to me right yeah we're thinking i'm like stupid like and i told one, two of my buddies yeah just go with alex bro you can go in my stead and they were like okay everybody just dished out and like left, through, <laughs> left me. and here i am i'm working on a video for drew like gordon hayward video to post for the nba yeah and drew was like damn okay like that's different like you know what i mean like yeah you, you like you really do like value like what you're doing right now and like I was like, Drew, like, cause there was nine other people in the gym and Drew was, like came up to me like, yo, go, like, go. Like, I'm telling you to go or else I'm going to fire you. I'm like, Drew, Drew, like, let's talk about it later, but I want to do it on my terms. Okay. Yeah. And um, a lot of people don't know that story, but I, I turned it, turned down to meet Kobe the first time. Yes. And then listen, like 
I don't know what you want to call it, but like fate, life, yeah. destiny. Week and a half later, uh, I made this Jason Tatum versus Kobe Bryant comparisons video and it went crazy. ESPN, Sports Center, everything. And then Jason and Jason got a whole detailed episode about his playoff performance from Kobe. Oh, okay. This was during the summer and then Kobe reviewed it. And then um, Kobe and Jason started talking. And um, a week and a half later from that event that just happened, Jason took a picture with Kobe, met Kobe. He's already talking to him. He's telling me and Drew about it. And then the next day later, Jason and I sit down and it was like, yo, what are you doing tomorrow? He said that. And yeah. I was like, not, not, nothing. And he was like, well, you want me Kobe? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, why not? <laughs> like, hell yeah. And then Drew comes over. And so we all set it up and me and Drew drive down to go meet Kobe with two of our other friends. And um, I don't know what you want to call it, man, but I, I got to do it on my terms. Yeah. So, and that, he meant everything to me as a kid, emotionally wise, like, you don't even know. Like, so I didn't want anything handed out to me. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely it does, man. Gosh. Yeah. What what an amazing opportunity. Meet meet. I mean, yeah, your your lifelong, I mean, mentor, right? Person you wrote looked up to from from a distance. Yeah, man. Yeah. And I was fortunate enough to um hook up with one of his uh, other uh other friends, basketball minds, Doug Young from Laura Marion. Uh, high school and I did a project for them and I got to be around Kobe about three other times after that. So it was, it was very, it was very great, man. I love it. I love it. So what's the project you guys are working on right now? I know, you know, there's a couple of new uh, things in the fire, but. Yeah. I mean, Drew just launched his next membership where he takes like 24 and trainers, aspiring trainers around the country. And he trains them literally like every day, like, yeah. Uh, Zoom and business strategies. So we made a little promo for that and it's doing beyond well. So it's really cool. Obviously during COVID it's, uh, it's you know, we've really had to really put everything in gear towards the virtual sk virtual skills school that we have. And just a lot of stuff is, is geared towards online now, but we've just been busy with that, man. I love it. I love it. So I want to kind of wrap up with two very yeah. pointed questions. Okay. Yes, sir. Yep. So there's this idea that I heard long ago, and it's been a just a foundational piece in my life. And it's this idea of what we call blissful dissatisfaction. Okay. And so it's that idea that a lot of people never reach their true potential, because when they hit their first goal, they peak, they plateau, right? They say, man, I hit my goal, I'm just going to stay here. Then there's kind of the other end of people, which I think you and I are going to fall fall into. And that is, I constantly have my next goal. And so I'm constantly trying to accomplish the next thing. And I never take the time to look back and take pride in all the things I've accomplished on the way. So for you, just thinking about, I mean, the humble beginnings that you had to the amazing experiences and opportunities that you're now getting to experience on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, how do you do that balance of not getting content with where you're at, but at the same time, you know, not always constantly looking for the next thing? Right. Um, well, I mean, this year has been very difficult for me. Um, it's not, it's no secret, you know, obviously losing Kobe and stuff like that. Um, I really took a step back instead of trying to, I think I went through a moment of plateau because, yeah. you know, I, I asked this question, I made a video, I, I said it, I quoted it. I said, um, you know, how do you, how do you find your passion when the person, how do you find your passion when the person who gave you your passion is dead? Yeah. That, that to me hits so hard to me because it's so true. And um, I, I had to think about it for a lot of months and realize, okay, um, maybe I have plateaued or maybe I'm a little bit stuck. Um, I lost my dog like three months before losing Kobe. It was terrible. I didn't get to say goodbye to my dog. She was only three years old. Wow. So I'm dealing with loss and a void with that. Yeah. And I'm dealing with my dog now and then obviously COVID hit and like can't really travel can't really do what we love to do anymore so everybody's going everybody has their own story not saying my story is more painful than anybody else's story but yeah. um but yeah I took a step back and realized that hey you know what um the most important lesson I learned from Kobe was just being absolutely compassionate and um empathetic towards people anybody anybody and uh, I was like, you know what? Um, I've always wanted to help 
people in my demographic and what I do. And I, I don't know if you've been watching, but I, I launched my mentorship program, I have about 27 people in there um, paying monthly. And it's, it's amazing that they're even paying me. You know, I'm so grateful beyond belief. I'm the one of the most humbling person, ever, humble person ever to even um, associate even getting paid for doing that. So that's just, to me, is an amazing feeling. And uh, yeah, man, I just love it. I love helping people. And I think that was, I was born to, to do something like this and to increase it and keep increasing, keep increasing and get other people to help me help people and help me manage other, other creators and, and bring creators together with no ego and just try to create and help each other. I love but, it. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Man. Next question. Yes, sir. For you inside of your circle, and it sounds like you try and keep it, you know, relatively small or at least like, you know, within arm's reach, what is your top characteristic or quality that you look for in the people that get to enter your circle? Passion. Passion. Yeah. They that. have passion. They have a love for something. Man, it's just so easy to, to go off of it. And, and if they have a passion for something that's not even basketball. Right. I'm just so curious about how their mind thinks. And like, I feel like I can use that curiosity to put it into my field. And I think that's, that's the best conversation that you can have with people that, that just mess with you, like talk to you and interact with you is that you still little pieces of gold from your friends, from your best friends, because um, whether it's relationship advice, whether it's life advice, whether it's parent advice, whether it's dealing with loss, uh, you're usually calling people that you can trust and right. they're going to give you the best biofeedback and best feedback. So uh, passion I had this one, this one person um, means a lot to me, told me five years ago that, and I didn't even realize this. And I always thought my best passion was just my best gift was like, was just being relatable and being a nice person and stuff like that. Yeah. But she said, uh, my strongest gift was my passion. Yeah. And that just kind of hit me. I was like, what do you want me? I've never really heard that before. Um, and it kind of hit me home and I took it from that moment on and I just used it to just excel and just never giving up excelling and getting to where I'm at today. So, um, I, I look for passion, you know, I love it, man. Well, needless to say, passion has served you well. Uh, you, you always had a desire to become successful. Um, you know, who, who knows exactly what that means over the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years for you. But I'd certainly say from the, the nights as a 10 year old looking up in the sky saying, Hey, I want to become successful to, um, you know, division one soccer, to being a janitor, to then getting your opportunity that you're in now, you're certainly doing that. So Sam, thanks so much for being on today, my man. Of course, man. Enjoy it, man. It's always great to talk about, um, my life, man. I, I you never know who's listening, who can, uh, come out of it from, you know, so. Absolutely. Well, thanks again so much, Sam. Of course. Thanks again for tuning in to Who Knew in the Moment the podcast. As always, um, Sam's story hopefully leads you to think about the pivotal moments in your life and what it is you're trying to accomplish. So like Sam, follow your passions and your passions will lead you to where you should go. Have a great day and we'll look forward to seeing you guys next week.